Before we start, I just want to let everybody know that this podcast is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKEDON15 to get 15% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKEDON15 at BuiltBar.com. Everybody, welcome into Locked On Tigers. I'm your host, Chris Castellani. It is Monday, March 15th, a post-selection Sunday, Monday, following the brackets which were announced yesterday. My Michigan Wolverines got a number one overall seed. Hopefully with Isaiah Livers, they can make a run to the Final Four. And God willing, please be the national championship. We'll see, but this is obviously a baseball podcast. And first off, before I introduce today's guest, I want to say thank you to the people who were so uh, responsive to the interview that I did with Foolish Baseball last Friday. Really a lot of fun. I And I, I didn't even know he was going to do this, but he just posted another video on Saturday talking about how much the Rockies stink. It was excellent, as it always is. So please go back and go watch his videos. Subscribe to his channel. I really appreciated uh, him coming on this podcast. And I appreciate the person who's going to be on this podcast today. And I want to introduce to you one of my friends, a Kurt, co-host of Lockdown Red Wings, host of the Bentley Hour podcast. My dude, Scott Bentley, how you doing, man? I am great. You got me uh, You got me having a tough act to follow, but... Uh... <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, I know that's that's the thing, dude, is like I... For some reason, I was, I was like kind of sick over the weekend. So I'm like, man, I don't want to do like a full podcast on Friday. And like you had the Lockdown Red Wings stuff. So I just mm-hmm. like threw the Hail Mary pass at Bailey to see if he would come on. And he responded in like two seconds. Like, yeah, I can do tonight. Yeah, and I was like, sweet. So yeah. That's no, so we, sick. Man. That was awesome. And I was really... I really appreciated him coming on but um no i pre- thanks for being here and let's just let's yeah. just talk uh talk about the spring training games that went on over the weekend you know i want to start with because it's kind of a tale right now of two number one picks that are struggling and we'll talk about turnbull and some other guys here in a second but like do you have any we'll start with mys we'll start with mys because i think torkelson is i don't know I, I i'm expecting less out of torkelson right now um is there any concern that you see out of mys right now um, I, I want to start by saying we're probably going to be lockstep on a lot. We generally are. Um, That's why I, I had you on the podcast. <laughs> we're friends, right? right. Yeah, we're, we're very lockstep on, a, on yeah. a lot of Tigers' opinions here. Um, yeah. Th- with Mize, I at honestly, um, definitely more than the other two. Yeah. Easily, easily. Um, I would say, I would say a, a little bit. I mean, the the thing that bothers me is not as much I don't even know how to word it but like that we've already seen and heard a million times about the mechanical flaws he has and mm-hmm. those are still prevalent those are not erased those are you can watch him pitch any day and and you still spot a lot of those flaws um and then you know the big thing that everybody's pointing out is like when he came out of Auburn he was supposed to be this like this control aficionado like this mm-hmm. command 
God. And that has been very far from the truth since, I don't know if we can go as far to say since becoming a professional, because, you know, down at the lower levels, whatever, Mm -hmm. but from what we've seen, that is, that is very much not the case. I mean, he's missing the glove by a lot. Um, so I, I would say, you know, if it was just one of those two things, I probably wouldn't be, but considering it's both, uh, I would say, yeah, I, I mean, my opinion of Mize really at this point is he might have the lowest floor, honestly, of all the big three, but you know, there's some people say Manning, uh, he, he might also have the highest ceiling. So like, I, I just think there's a lot of variance there and yeah, I'm absolutely a little worried about it. Yeah. I guess the, the word I don't know if I could say concerned, but disappointed would be like the word I would go with because like last year I gave them last year. Cause again, I, and I I've spoken on here a million times. You've listened to the pod. I think they made the right decision to call them up yep. when they did, but in an ideal world, they would have gotten you know, somewhere between 20, 10 to 20 starts in triple a a season ago. They didn't get that. So last year I wrote off as a mulligan under the assumption that they would come back in spring training and be a lot better. I thought my expectation was by the end of spring training, one of the big three would make it onto the team out of spring training. And the other two would probably be two of the six best pitchers in the organization, but either because of service time manipulation or just reps, uh, they want, they would start them off in triple a, which I had no problem with. And Scooball looks really good. Scooball's out there shoving and the stuff is great. Command is good. I think, you know, I think there's a lot of really in terms of how he works the strike zone. I think there's a lot of things that Chris Fetter is really intrigued about with him. Uh, Manning looks a lot better as well. Uh, I would like to see him use the change up more, but he's been a project forever. And, and I think with each year, he's gotten progressively a little bit better. Uh, last year at this time, he was not doing well against major league talent. He was giving up a lot of hard contact looks better. And then you have Mize who, you know, again, we could say the stuff is good forever, but like, of course it is. And if, if, if that ever changes, then we're, you know, it's time to be insanely concerned, but I guess, yeah, what's always frustrating to me, like one of the reasons why disappointment is the word that comes to mind is because as you brought up, he's never had command issues. He was phenomenal at Auburn. He was phenomenal in the minor leagues. Like there was, that's, what's weird about this is there was never any indication in the minors that he was going to struggle with this stuff. And yet he's come out, he's had some command problems. Now I, because of the expectations and I I'm sure there will be people who will listen to this and think that we're saying he's going to be a bust. That's not, it's not that it's not that at all. I, I still believe he's going to be a more than serviceable major league pitcher. But I think in terms of the timeline as well, we also have to accept the fact that if three years ago when he was drafted, somebody would have said he's going to struggle to make the team out of spring training in 2021. I think we would have all been, a little bit surprised and I've seen because of how improved Scooball looks because of how improved Manning looks to be honest because of how good Tehran looks shockingly so far I mean it's got the fastball velocity back to 92 93 Mm -hmm. it is a bit surprising that um you know he's he's not more in the fold in terms of potentially making the team out of spring training now we still have a couple weeks left he's gonna have a few more starts but he was he was he was bad against the Phillies a couple days ago I mean he was like stunningly bad in that one inning the first two innings were fine but then the grand slam inning was was pretty awful uh, I, I do want to talk about Torkelson in a second but since we're on the the conversation of pitchers I'm not quite there yet but I am pretty close to just digging my feet in and saying I don't think Michael Falmer's ever going to be a starter like at the major league level again I mean I mean I don't know if he was Michael Falmer three years ago I'd say yeah okay he's struggling in spring training the guy's still got it 
he's in the, you got to sh- him, Jake Rogers, a couple other guys are in the, you got to show me something camp right now. And he gave up seven runs the other day. I mean, is there any positives that you can take out of what you've seen from him so far? Uh, no, no, like, like it, it sucks, bro. It really sucks. Like there's, there's the, the one. And when I say one, I mean, quite literally the one positive is the velocity was not horrible. Like that was something that I, I kind of worried about. I mean, there was everything we worried about last year with him, but, um, you know, he, he was up in like the 94, 95 range, which they consistently, which in the, in the Blue Jays start, which I guess is, is, is fine, but it, it, it doesn't matter. Like it, it's a flat, like there's no movement on the fastball anymore. Like it's just, it sucks, man. And, and I, I, I'm right there with you. Like I'm as close as you can get probably to just being like, you know what? I, the, the, we're going to, tr- he's going to start games this year, whether we like it or right, not, he will. it's going to yeah. happen. But a- as far as just like the future outlook of this team, man, I, I, I really struggle to see him in a starting spot. Yeah. He's going to start games. And, and for the record, I have no problem this year with him right. starting games. I agree. Like the te- I agree. team's not going to be very good. It's unfair to judge, you know, 10 opener essentially starts what he had last year and put that all on him when he was coming back from a second Tommy John. I get that. I just, I thought in spring he would show us a little bit more and maybe he still could. His first outing, he wasn't that bad. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's the metrics last year were not good. And they were so bad. bad. And the, like the baseball savant page outside of, I think fastball velocity, he was in the lower half in terms of like every other major category uh, you know, not a good indicator of, of where, where they, you know, where we want him to be, but I mean, good Lord, I'm looking at outside of fastball velocity was in the 53rd percentile last year, but fastball spin rate was 15. I mean, exit velocity, mm. 10 expected ERA, the one percentile weighted on base mm. average, the one percentile. We're talking about a guy who they asked to give him three innings, a start, and he couldn't really do it. Like that was my defense last year. It's like, you know what, if he goes out there, and is giving up in is going three innings, giving up one run. Okay, so be it. But I people push back against this, and obviously I had the the whole rant against Osmus several years ago. But like, I'm sorry, the way they've handled Falmer to me is like is like a pro, they should teach that to GMs of like how you don't manage a potential like front of the line starter. In my yeah, opinion. it's one of the worst mismanagements of a starting pitcher that we have maybe ever seen. I mean, like. You, you know, you were obviously very vocal about it at the time and and talking about like how it is. I remember one video where I think you literally said it is blatantly obvious, like anyone could see that he is laboring. He is laboring out there. He hit the velocities down like five miles an hour and we're just ignoring it and be like, no, throw him out there. Like it's, it's. And we, we weren't even, we weren't even good that year. Like we had a good roster, but like we. That that team was not good. Like, why did we? Why? 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 Yeah. Well, oh that's, my god! That's the thing. That's what always bothered me. Is it's like in 2017 they were so openly tanking. Right. So your five man rotation was like you know Zimmerman, the Detroit Zimmerman, not the good Zimmerman. <laughs> like you know Artie Lewicki, and like like a oh, bunch yeah. of schlubs. And then you throw out a guy who made the All Star team that year. It's like just for the sake of preserving the tank, don't pitch him. Right. And then they. Kind of did the same thing next year in 28. I think like 
I, you know, I don't know. I don't have a ton of evidence to support this, but I got the impression in 2018, he wasn't completely healthy either. Now the stuff was fine. Fastball velocity was still there, but like, we're talking about a guy who went from rookie of the year to all-star to like four or five ERA in 2018. I mean, he got, I want to say in his last start against the Indians that year, he didn't get an out. I think he gave up like three home runs that inning, just got completely popped. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and NHL are in full swing. Bet online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online. Your online sportsbook experts. March Madness is here, and that means bracket challenges. Join our Locked On Listener Bracket Challenge group on ESPN. Submit your March Madness picks, beat your favorite hosts, and if you win, you will get a guest appearance on Locked On Today, our daily news podcast. The link to join is in the show notes of this episode. Get your picks in today. That was the Avila era, and I do... Uh, I do hold, you know, criticize him for that. I also think that in general, the management of pitchers and young arms and just prospects in general within this organization has improved a fair amount over the last several seasons, like in terms of just monitoring innings, calling him up when, you know, I mean, uh, they were, these guys were some of the best pitchers in the organization several years ago, but that's not saying much. I mean, we're just talking in, in terms of what was best for them. Right? We're talking about in terms of what was best for them. Uh, at the time, I think that has improved, but yeah, I, when I talked to, when I talked to Bailey about it the other day is like the biggest problem they've had is that unlike a team like the Mariners who took Austin Nola, who was just some dude who they developed, but because of the right. contract, they ended up getting a pretty solid haul back uh, from the Padres. The Tigers have not developed and then traded guys. The two options they've had have been Boyd and Fulmer and they held the holding on to Boyd to me is, is an unforgivable sin. Like yeah. I just, yeah, you're you're with me. I think on that. It's it's the most embar- It's the most egregious non-transaction I think I've ever seen in my life. There is there, it didn't make sense before the deadline. It didn't make sense an hour after the trade deadline. It doesn't make sense. What two years later? It that is one of the things that will literally never make sense and and didn't make sense then. It is one of the biggest like catastrophes to happen. At, and not that's not to say we would have gotten you know 92 a level prospects for him but right. like he is he it, he's not part of the like the timeline didn't even match up then like mm-hmm. it, it, none of it made sense i could I, go on forever i would call it the biggest failure of the avila administration so far i guess yeah. i you could say the verlander trade but there's a whole lot of bad luck involved in the verlander deal sure. I, I mean you know franklin perez being made of glass has been you know obviously unfortunate and J- right. Rogers not being able, like, obviously like those three guys have, you know, well, the jury's still out, but the fact is it's still worst case scenario. The fact that four years later, the jury is still out. Like we Correct. should know by now, whether they got it or they don't. And, and it's some, cause sometimes I wonder, is it just us as angry Detroit fans, like just making an issue about something that's bigger than what it is. But I've talked to other people who aren't even Tigers fans. So I talked to Bailey about it and they were all like, what were you thinking? Like, I think it's a, it's a prime example of the rest of the league just being way smarter than the Tigers front office. I don't think the Tigers were ever all in on trading him. 
Um, they might have been, I think they were on the fence with Fulmer. I don't think they were ever on board with trading Boyd. And if they were going to, they had this ridiculous asking price for yeah, a were. guy who'd pitched 30 good games of baseball his whole career. And, and my, and there are going to be those people, and I get it, who are going to say, you know, that's not fair because you didn't know that Boyd was going to bottom out and be terrible last year. I didn't. And I still believe he's better than how he pitched a season ago. But as I've said on here a bunch of times, the value was never going to be higher than it was then because of the contract. Like even let's say last year there was no pandemic and he would have pitched the exact same caliber of baseball that he pitched in 2019. You probably would have gotten relatively the exact same haul. And that's, that's where it's just, it just boggles my mind. What, what happened there? And it, yeah, it, no, it's ridiculous. It, it's, yeah. it's uh, you have a guy, a left-handed starter, with at the trade deadline had one of the highest K per nines in baseball Mm -hmm. and had what three years or two and a half years of arbitration left at the time or or three, like even uh, unless the only excuse for it, literally the only excuse for it is if you thought that this was like a, 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 a progression for Boyd and that he was on his way to be like, an ace and, and that, you know, the following season, he was going to be even better. And the following, he was going to be an ace for a playoff team. Unless, uh, unless you thought Matt Boyd had the ceiling of an ace for a competitive, like 95 win team, it literally ha- will never make sense to not move him. That's the and, only excuse. And even if they felt that way, he was what, 28 at the time. So right. like, I mean, the timeline doesn't make sense. Yeah, it just, yeah. It, it, that None would, of it makes sense. That'll always frustrate me, but I, I, uh, I, I wanted to bring up Torkelson real quick. He's struggled, obviously, in spring training. Did get his other his first hit uh, the other day. It's such a small sample size, and, and it feels bigger than it is because it's been, what, two or three weeks, but it's only, you know, what, three games worth of at-bats, really, uh, or, you know, four games worth of at-bats. I'm, I'm not concerned, but I also think it is fair to say that every draft pick from 2020, much like every major league player, was kind of put behind the eight ball with what happened with COVID. I mean, no minor league season, as much as people want to believe that he, somebody could go straight from college to the major leagues. It doesn't work like that. And as even with a potentially generational bat like his, so, I mean, I haven't noticed anything that's cause for concern. I think he's pressing a little bit. I mean, the taking it's obviously struggling. I'm not going to act like he isn't, but if we're talking about the number one picks in this organization, if there's one to be, disappointed in or concerned about you lean towards my eyes. I don't see much out of Torkelson. That's making me think, Oh man, it's trouble time. Yeah, no, me neither. I, and obviously the, the strikeout today, it was a hanging curveball right down the middle. Like that one is, that's like a tough look, obviously. Um, but for the most part, I've really just been looking at, is he swinging at strikes and taking balls? And for the most part, he, kind of has I mean like I said he, he has I think he has two backwards K's two or three so like you know there's there's obviously some some bend there but for the most part like he is kind of working counts for you know decently and, right. and like you said the, the biggest thing that everyone just needs to remember is that this dude's last competitive at bat he was in college and now he's going up against albeit spring training he's going up against people fighting for major league roster spots like that's a that's a jump nobody takes uh, especially not a a hitter you know what I mean like every once in a while you see you know some pitchers 
make it through really quickly. But unless you're like Albert Pujols, like you're not just like playing four games in the minors and then just coming up to the show. You know what I right. mean? Like that's that's just not something that happens. So I I really I have. I would go as far to say I had pretty much zero concern. I, I'm really not worried about it at, literally at all. Yeah. Now, um, if, if yeah. he has a stretch like this in the minors, then I, right. I, I might pause a little. But, like, you also have to take into account that I think the the mystery box uh, taxi squad stuff last year, I think, is a hindrance yeah. on guys' development, too, especially within this organization. Because if he struggled, well, yeah, he hadn't had a competitive bat in three months. And if he was great, well, he's going up against probably some of the worst pitching, you know, in baseball, you're facing an organ, you know, that's, that's the issue when you're facing guys within an organization that's bottom of the barrel. So no, no real concern um, with Spencer Torkelson. You know, we've been, we've been a bit negative so far, but fair as I try to be, what's one thing so far in spring training that's like really stood out and surprised you? Oh, I mean, the obvious ones, Akil Badu, right? Yeah. I mean, that's that dude has been has been unbelievable. He's making um, the team. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 He and, and the big thing is going to be, is it? I know you talked about it a couple uh, a couple episodes ago, but like the the whole Lynn Henning comment, like, I'm like Jacoby. That's a like I I don't know, man. Like obviously the organization loves Victor Reyes, um, but Jacoby Jones, like taking away your starting center fielder that had a at a, an albeit 30 games, like an above 900 OPS last year before the injury. That's also pretty bold at the same time. So like, there's, there's a, there, I don't know. Like that's obviously the biggest one uh, by far. Um, Soto got off to a slow start. I really liked him today. Big ones. Like um, I, I think one of the bigger ones for me personally, and honestly, this, I know you said we're trying to be positive. This might not be considered that, Um but like this organization's in love with Cody Clemens, and I just don't really. I dude, I don't. Either. I don't. Either. <laughs> I liked him a lot coming out of college, but like the the me too, flaw, me too. The flaws in his swing became apparent right out of my the minors, and he's gonna be like twenty six this year, right? right? Like this right. idea, like at a certain point, you know, okay. If he gets called up and he's solid utility second baseman at the age of thirty two, okay, fine. <laughs> Congrats, big win with your second round pick. But no, I yeah, the Badu situation is very interesting. Um, somebody sent me something, and I, and I did respond to it. I think on locked on the lockdown account where there is a, a scenario in which they could have Jacoby on the team. I think with with Badu and and all all those outfielders would make the roster: Mazzara and Reyes and um sure. and, and Grossman. Uh, my response to that is I think given how potentially thin this rotation is, I think they might be more likely to have an extra bullpen arm as opposed to an extra outfielder. Uh, it's, I go back and forth with that and I can't remember who it was. And I brought this up on, on locked on last week about the idea of like, Oh, it could be a boat, which I thought was such a beautiful <laughs> family guy. Yeah. It could be anything. It could even be a boat. Like, it like, could I, even be a boat. Right. And it's, what was it? It was like tickets to a comedy club or something. Yeah. <laughs> amateur amateur yeah exactly but no it's I was thinking the same it's like that with him though because it's like okay I personally if I was assembling this year's team I would rather have Jacoby Jones but in the 10% chance that Akil Badu ends up becoming like a more than serviceable major league player with a much higher upside than Jacoby Jones I could see myself five years from now being like uh, Avila's an idiot so I don't I get it's not going to be Reyes because as you've talked about, the organization loves Reyes. And I think given the fact that he's younger and has improved, you know, a fair amount each of the last three seasons, I think there is enough justification to be like, 
we want to bring, bring back a guy with a higher ceiling or at least an equal ceiling. I don't think it'll be Mazzara because they signed him to a major league deal and it won't be Grossman. Grossman's looked pretty good in spring. He seems pretty, pretty locked in. I think he, yeah. he's happy with Hinch as a manager too. So I think he, you know, he's going to have a, a spot there, but yeah, it's, it's a weird one and it would, it's going to be a tough one to sell to the fans too. If that doesn't happen. I mean, again, I think that the comparison I use the love for Jacoby Jones is like kind of like the Bobby Higginson love where it's like, yeah, he was yeah. Oh, yeah. one of, he, he was, he's been around here forever, but He's never really been on any good teams and his highest career war, I think is two something. And that's the argument I made is like, do I think that if Jacoby Jones has his 2018 defense and last year's offense with him, right. do I think he could put up a five war in a season? Yeah. If he stays healthy, but he's never healthy. Um, now the most of his injuries aren't like lingering things. They aren't like a knee or, you know, an ankle or something like that. It's been hitting the hand, hitting the face with pitches. I mean, it's a lot of bad luck, but even so uh, it's bad luck nonetheless. So, we have been telling you about Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the market for a while now. Built Bar is the amazing low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, amazing tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate on all bars. But now is the time to find out which Built Bar is the best. It is Built Bar Madness. Go to BuiltBar.com or to at Built underscore Bar on Twitter. Remember to use the promo code LOCKEDON20 to get 20% off your next order. That is promo code LOCKEDON20 to get 20% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. And check back to see who won today's matchup and who will become the next best tasting protein bar. We're counting down the days to opening day here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Next Wednesday, March 24th, the Locked On MLB Podcast begins one of our biggest events of the year, the Locked On MLB Division Preview Series. All of our local experts in every MLB market answer the biggest questions around each team. There is no better or easier way to get baseball smart before opening day. Subscribe today to Locked On MLB on the Radio.com app or wherever you get your podcasts. The other big, like, I won't say surprise, but like a guy who where I'm like confident now he's going to make the team out of spring training is obviously Willie Castro. Like, Mm -hmm. I... (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think, you know, obviously he's a, he's a meme within our Tigers group chat and our, our Discord, Jeez. but like the fact is it's it's a huge benefit for this organization oh, yeah. if he like pans out. Great teams, championship teams hit on the big prospects, right? The Cubs did, the Astros did, but you need one or two of those guys who just kind of come out of nowhere. Like Kyle Hendricks becoming an ERA champion. There's nobody who expected that was going to happen when right. he came to Chicago. Uh, when Altuve signed for like, you know, $10 in a pack of bubble gum with the Astros in like 2007, nobody thought he was going to turn out to be an MVP. Willie Castro, that trade is looking more and more like a win. And despite the fact he was in the sixth percentile, I think at exit Velo last year and had a 940 OPS. It's like one of the most amazing baseball savant pages ever. It's unreal. It's, it's insane. But you see him so far in spring, he's like, Exit below has been way high. I mean, we're seeing exit velocity in like 104, 109, 98. Like he's starting to barrel up some pitches. And I think that bodes well for the future. And that was the one argument I made. It's like, I understand you look at all the advanced metrics. It seems like he would have definitely come back down to earth, but I'm sorry. You have a rookie shortstop that puts up a 940 OPS. You can do something with that guy. For sure. Yeah. No, the, the, uh, like anytime 
and we've had this conversation. Anytime he does anything, I get like 50 notifications <laughs> on my phone. Like he could breathe and it'd be like, oh my gosh, did you see Willie Castro? Like it's, it's, and like people have this, this view that like, I hate the dude. And it's we all, want him to do well. Right. Like absolutely not true. I, I would love for him. It's just, there's so much evidence that he's like not the 950 OPS player that he is that I'm just like, hey, we just need to take a breather. He's, he's been a professional for 60 games, but like his spring has been insanely encouraging. Yeah. Obviously he's leading in like damn near every single offensive stat there is, him and Badu. Um, yeah, man, it, it, it's super encouraging. The, and, and I know that everyone always gets on me about the defense thing. That's like the big argument is like, shortstop whatever this year I don't care my argument is is that I don't want if Willie Castro wins MVP and and is in gold glove consideration this year I still don't want him to be my shortstop of the future I want us to go sign one this offseason because that market will never happen again like my only argument is is that I I think that I I just don't see him as like this building block you know, dynasty building shortstop. That being said, if you get even like, like low 800 OPS out of this guy and he plays an average or even slightly below average second base or left field, that is a massive win for two and a half months of Leonis Martin. Like that is, that is, that that instantly becomes probably his Avila's best trade. I mean, like the candy one Paredes, like maybe if Paredes ends up reaching some super high ceiling or whatever, but like two months of Leonis Martin for a, a guy that is hit very quickly hitting his way into being like a, a solid player for this team for the future is obviously a massive win. So while I, I have reservations about him at the position of shortstop after this year for this year, specifically like, you know, <laughs> Dwayne Wade, we don't care. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like, we don't care. Like, just do it, man. Like, hell, hell yeah. Like go for it. And and I, like you said, obviously his spring is insanely encouraging. Yeah. And, and there is part of me that worries. Like if he has a great year and the organization watches Correa and all the shortstops go by and like, well, you see, we already have a shortstop. We have right. Willie Castro. That scares me. But, you, know, you obviously Horrifies. don't want a guy to have a, have a bad year. You want him to be successful. And I think, uh, they're not committed to him playing shortstop because AJ Hinch isn't committed to anybody. I think being an everyday shortstop for this team, I think he's committed to moving Goodrum around the diamond. Uh, he's, you know, he's spoken at you know many times about like I want to get the most value out of guys, either offensively right. or defensively. And I think that Goodrum, as good as he was at shortstop defensively last year, I do think that his versatility provides them with an opportunity to move him around the diamond. And I think they'll probably do the same thing with Willie Castro, it's yeah, it'll be weird too. Cause you also have parade ace in the mix. Who's looked pretty solid at points in, in spring, you know, the, the at bats have been fine. I don't know if the, all the results have, have been there necessarily, but you know, there's, I think between parade ace, Castro, uh, Candelario and scope, like those are four guys who are going to be taking four different, uh, positions. Now, um, if Paredes hits well, you move him to third. You got Scope at second, Castro at short, and then you can move Candy to first with Miggy DHing. That is to me like maybe my ideal uh, lineup there. I don't want Miggy playing first, and I still I've gone back and forth with it, dude. But he's such a jokester 
And I don't know if like the organization is actually serious about this or if they're just humoring him because like he's the franchise player. I still don't know. Like, I don't think anyone knows. Yeah. It's, it's ridiculous because anytime Hinch is asked about it too, he like laughs. He's like, ha ha. Yeah. And you're like, could you, we have like a serious, like look me in the eye and tell me. It makes, it makes me think, and I don't, this hard. I don't know if Illich is passionate enough about it to say anything, but it does make me think like Hinch might be entertaining it. But at some point before the season starts, like he's going to get pulled, Hinch is going to get pulled aside, and they're going to be like, "All right, dude, look, I, you could throw him out there once every couple of weeks, but like you got to DH in most games, and, and which I would have no problem with. I think you, yeah, you got to get the most out of him. The guy's knees are shot. Anyway, um, one question that no one's really talked about, and it leans me into a guy that you're really high on, and I'm high on too, and that's Spencer Turnbull, who looked really oh, good, yeah. who looked really good on Sunday. Um, four innings, you know, it's. I think the issues that persist with him will always persist, but it's about minimizing that, you know, persistentness. It's that, okay, if, if every few batters he yanks a fastball, so be it. But it's about not having consecutive at-bats where you're going 3-0. It's not about, you know, having three straight at-bats where you're having a three-ball count. I think that we're seeing him limit, it, limit that so far in spring. And again, I think his ability to move up and down in the strike zone is going to help him a lot because it fits – it fits his kind of repertoire of pitches with the, you look at the kind of movement on a slider and on his sinker, you have a four seam fastball that can move up in the zone and a really firm two sinker that can move down in the zone. That could probably get a lot of ground ball outs. I, I contend now a lot of that will, this will depend on uh, innings and, and that will be a problem with him will be pitch count. I think he has, I think 200 strikeout potential. And I, I'm, I think you agree with me. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. You're yeah. talking, you're talking to the right guy for right. that. Yeah. Uh, he looked really good today, but the question I asked is I, I'm one of maybe the only people I think an opening day starter is like a big thing to me. Like I take that. I think that's oh, very important. Yeah. yeah. I know some people, I mean, I don't know. It's kind of been diluted because we had Jordan Zimmerman starting back to back opening days and it was like, okay, well now it's a farce, but I think, I mean, I think it's between Boyd and Turnbull easily. Yeah. Easily. I, I don't think hinge has the same kind of veteran favoritism that Gardy had. It's between those two. I would lean towards Turnbull because I think with a first-year manager, he's going to go with the guy who probably looked the best in spring. Not to say Boyd's looked bad. He's actually looked fine. But, yeah, that would be my guess. But I'm not – I'm only, like, 55% confident with that. Yeah, I I mean, if it were me, yeah, it's, it's terrible all day, right? Um, right. But I think the only thing that that – and it, like worry is a strong word. Like I, I like opening day starter Matt. Like I think is uh is is important to be like, hey, I was the opening day starter for this team. But like as far as performance throughout the year, like it's right. not going to matter. So you know, worry is maybe a strong word. But one of Hinch's like first phone calls was to Boyd, and he seems yeah. to be like I I think if I had to guess, I'd probably put the same percentage as you, but put it on Boyd instead. Uh, it, it's you know. Like you said, it's been really diluted with with the recent few years for this team. But I, yeah, obviously, if, if you want to talk, you know, like Turnbull praise, like you're, that's that's you know, you came to the right person. That's I I think he is he is just lowering that walk per nine by like a walk, just a walk away yeah. from being a a very dynamic pitcher at this level. I think. Obviously, you could say it's about like 90% of the pitchers in this freaking organization, but like stuff is great. Command is all over the place, right? So mm-hmm. he's he's falls into that mix. 
Um, I really like the Fetter hire, obviously, and I think that that's going to have a big thing for him. But like, even even Sunday's outing was a a very on brand start for him. Like he, the K's yeah. were there, and the first three innings he looked great, and then he had one inning. You know, like his his total pitch count was uh, was I don't even remember around fifty, give or take like five. I want to say, um, but he had a twenty five pitch inning the 25 pitch fourth inning and he had a walk in that inning and gave up uh obviously the the ground rule double or whatever like yeah. it, you know gave up a lot of hard contact and and the hard contact all came later in the outing and it is spring so we're gonna uh, i'm gonna take it as a as a step in the right direction because his first three innings he did look so good but that's a that's that's turnbull man like he yeah i don't know if it's if it's fatigue or or what it is but he at the beginning, and even if you look at his first half, second half splits the last two years, like, well, 2020 is a little weird, but um, like 2019 is is blatant. Like his first half um, pre-All-Star break 2019, he was like a sub four ERA pitcher. And then he was so bad. Yeah. He had like a seven ERA in the second half that is his season totals didn't look that great. So he he's a guy that at, if he can just – not have those those like you said like just consistency if we can just limit those blow up innings to just be a batter or two and not an entire innings work he's going to be really good man the the when he's on he's so on it's just yeah. it, it comes and goes so quickly i mean you saw yeah i mean you you saw it in glimpses really the last two years but i think especially mm-hmm. early on last year i mean his first three starts i think he went five innings of one run ball, six innings of two run ball. And I think seven innings of one run. Now, one of those was against the pirates. So, you know, you <laughs> might as well be pitching against the lug nuts, but it, it, you, you get me, you get my point. He pitched, he pitched some good baseball at, at points. Then yeah, you would have a game where it'd be three innings, five walks and they bounce back with six scoreless. So, and he's another guy who, you know, was never like a down and out, out of nowhere prospect, but he would be another guy that would be like a solid hit. And, um, He's, you know, Avila's been around here long. He was one of Avila's guys too. We're we're not yeah. at a point. We're at a point now where it's, you know, this is all his class. So, yeah, I mean, definitely, the kind of just general observations for from this podcast. I think is kind of the theme. I appreciate you being on. Uh, before you go, you want to just plug your want to just plug your social media real quick. Sure. Yeah, my Twitter's at Bentley Scotty. Um, I am also, as Chris said, the co-host of Lockdown Red Wings. Right. So you can check that out. Uh, obviously. Um, if you don't already. And then, yeah, my personal podcast is The Bentley Show. And that's, you can find that on my Twitter, which is again at Bentley Scotty. So, yeah. Yep. And of course, you can follow me on Twitter at Castellani2014. That's at C A S T E L L A N I 2014. Uh, you can follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Tigers. While you're at it, go to Apple Podcasts, go to iTunes, leave a written positive five star review of this program. It would be much, much appreciated. We'll be right back here tomorrow. Talking about some more Tigers spring training action. I appreciate everybody listening. Scott, thanks again for coming on, buddy. We will see you. Have a great rest of your day and go Tigers.